Welcome to the Four Color Nerds Comic Podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm joined by the other nerds, Carissa. Hello. And Ryan. Hello. This week, Christina is trapped on the moons of Morgor. Actually, she just couldn't be here. She has family stuff going on. Together this week, we're going to take on this week's comics. Each week, we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. Usually in a quorum, but... Hmm. Uh, this is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now, go read the books, and come back. We'll wait. Done yet? Okay, good. Each week, one of us picks their favorite book of the week and gets to talk, and then that's our pick of the week. This week, I'm that nerd, and this week I picked Black Magic Number 1. By, uh, it was put up by Image Comics, written by Greg Ruka, and art by Nicholas Smith. Guys, what did you think? I really liked this book. If I, I, really had liked it. Pick, I was intrigued. Yeah, if I'd had to pick, this would have been my pick, too. Yes, it was a very good book, and it's a neat way to kind of start the series. Um, the art was fantastic. It was kind of like a black-and-white painting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked up the artist, the Nicholas Scott, and I can't really remember reading any of it before, but I've seen stuff in that style before. It reminded me kind of um, Linsner, uh, of Dawn fame. Right. Um, but not, like, exactly. And uh, Ryan shared the one panel... Because the whole book is basically black and white, and then you get to this like one scene where she uses her you know magic powers. Oh, that was and there's so pretty. color. That was yeah, yeah. I was the whole time I was reading, and I'm like, okay, this isn't black and white. So as soon as we see some actual magic, it's probably going to be in color. And then yeah. we got there, and oh, it was it was a sight to see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the writing was solid. Uh, it had what is actually kind of an accurate ritual at the beginning. Um, at least, you know, enough of it to, to pass. With naked ladies. That's true. Yeah. Naked ladies and dude bits. So. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, but, you know, and, and like all of a sudden, oh, police procedural. Oh, guess what? The detective happens to be a witch. Well, you know, Greg Rucka also wrote um, uh, Gotham Central. So I think police uh, police work is right up his... It's in his strong wheelhouse, you know. In his blood. Yes. I almost it had the feeling like the concept almost felt to me like it was going to be a manga. Like I was like, this totally plays into like Japanese comics storytelling as well. So it was kind of interesting. Like I don't know why my mind went to there, but just how it played out just really reminded me of that. I liked the the scene in the the beginning because I really didn't know what time it was set in, and then mm-hmm. the person's cell phone went off. And right. that let me know exactly when and where we were. So I, I thought that was that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I liked how uh, her badge uh, when it did. She was using magic. How the star of her badge turned into like a pentagram or a pentacle. Sorry, pentacle. And so I'm like, hey, that's a neat little play on that. Yeah, and they kind of uh, echoed that for the cover too. Yeah. It was really nice and well done. Really uh, professional book. Yeah, I I really liked this book. Um, I thought it was, the art was was really strong. That use of that one, not just the entire panel, just the person who's actually being affected by the magic is in color. Um, The storytelling was great. Um, Good police procedural seemed pretty uh, accurate uh, representation of the occult. I mean, not that there's a, you know, factual accurate, but uh, it, it seemed authentic, I guess would be the way to say it to me. Like they knew what they were talking. People about. would argue that point, but okay. Well, that we are here to argue, I suppose. But yes. I guess I should say he wasn't like making it up, you know. Correct. Yes. I thought it had the play on the true name thing. I really like that too. Yeah, I like that where he whispers it in her ears, and you can see the expression. Her eyes get really wide. That looked. Shocking. How did you find that out? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, um, I have this idea. But then he didn't use it. Well, no, because it seemed to me like the guy was think... conflicted. He's a practitioner, know? though. He didn't seem like one. True. But don't use that bluff if you're not going to actually use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, the book, like I said, it was just 
I think one of the better books I've read in you know in a while. I really if like if I like I say if I'd had the pick, this would have also been my pick. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was very very good. I was surprised. Bring out the good books. Uh, this week was just not. Well, and you know I want to uh, call back to uh, last week when you swore up and down <laughs> that uh, the next pick would not be an image book. And here we are, <laughs> week four. <I> know. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> We're back with Image. They are putting out fantastic work. <laughs> the Image is really not the image of the 90s. <laughs> no, they've really, I mean, you've got people doing their creative best. You know, I mean, this is, they own this. Their, you know, blood, sweat, and tears go into these books. And, you know, I think consistently, you know, all four of us are, are picking Image books. I mean. Who knows what the future will hold, but I think it, it speaks to the strength of Image Comics. Actually, the funny thing is my two picks for next week, neither one of them are Image, <laughs> but they could be. Yeah, but you don't have the pick next week. I do. No, See, I don't. See, that's the thing. The, of the four of us, we don't... But you'll still have to talk about them. We don't necessarily think that an Image book is the best one each week. It's just when our turn comes up, so far it happens to be... There's always an Image book. There has to be a really good Image book. <laughs> so. Yep. Well, there's always generally... A really good image book. This is true. This is true. They put out strong, strong work. An image. If you want to reach us and send us any free samples or anything else like that, uh, <laughs> we'll give you the address after the show. <laughs> we cannot be bought, my friend. <laughs> but we can be rented. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So sort of continuing the, uh, the supernatural detective uh, motif that we seem to really like, um, I chose uh, Gotham by Midnight, uh, number 10, uh, from DC Comics. Um, let's see, written by uh, Ray Fox, uh, art by uh, Juan Ferreira. I'm probably saying that wrong, probably butcher. Ferreira. Uh, so um, Gotham by Midnight is um, really good at taking images from your nightmares and putting them on the, the page. Uh, that book was so not what I thought it was going to be. It's uh, it's basically the story of the Spectre uh, and his um, special unit in uh, Gotham, uh, the Gotham PD that investigates uh, supernatural crimes. And in this book, um, they've had internal investigations uh, come in to investigate what's going on because you know they have they have all this funding, um, but they never make any arrests, obviously because it's you know werewolves and vampires and ghosts and whatever that they're tracking down, so you can't can't arrest anyone everything just seems to end up dead yeah and there's lots of people who end up dead on their cases because you know you shoot a werewolf it's it's a guy or you know put a stake put a stake through a vampire's heart well you just you know there's now a dead body with a piece of wood sticking out of it you know so there's or a three thousand years old corpse yeah so there's lots or ash yeah so there's lots of missing people dead bodies lots of money being spent with nothing to show for it so uh the story, like internal investigations, has, has shown up. Um, they like went along basically for one case um, and saw kind of what they do. Um, but there are other people in internal investigations that are kind of trying to nail them to to the wall and and shut them down. And uh, Jim Corrigan, uh, the Spectre, has been brought in for like questioning. And in the last issue, um, it was kind of revealed, or at least suggested, that the the specter isn't like the will of God. It's uh, what Corrigan wants to have happen. That it's kind of his excuse uh, for the slaughter and mayhem uh, that he can, you know, sort of blame the will of God uh, for these things. Like when you see that opening scene and there's all that blood like splattered all over the room, um, that's from him basically using the specter's power on the people who are questioning him. You went all exploding. Yes. So, in this in this issue, they're uh, they're trying to basically get him out of the police station and away from everyone because he's he's on edge, and if he unleashes the specter, you know everyone's going to die. Um, that's the thing. Oh, that was the police station. That's the police station they were in. It looked like a rundown tenement building. Uh, well, it is Gotham. <laughs> you know? Well, this is valid. You know, um, so they're trying to get him out of the police station, and there's a a police chase that goes on, and they end up. Uh, basically driving off the side of a bridge while the specter is, it looks like an explosion from inside the car, but it's like the specter uh, unleashing itself. Spectering. Yeah. And then, so at the end you see um, there's this evil, there's this spirit in like the swamps outside of Gotham um, that like last arc, they've been trying to figure out what it is. 
Um, and it's kind of like the, it's almost like the spirit of maybe genocide or vengeance or something. It's, um, they thought it was like, well, the, it can't be the spirit of vengeance. That's well, the specter. Well, I think that's the mirror, um, that they're going for here is that these the evil specter. Well, so in the last arc, um, you know, they, they brought the specter to stop these people, but basically the specter heard their, their side of it. It's the, basically the native Americans that used to live in, you know, where Gotham is. Um, and that they're, you know, they were all murdered and, you know, given disease blankets and had all their land taken from them. So the thing was like the basically the specter uh, when he was going to judge was actually going to judge Gotham and, and wipe it off the face of the earth. They were able to stop it. Um, but now that, that's what those things at the end that are rising up are. So those are those spirits um, coming up. And then that that scene uh, with the, the altar with the nun, um, she was... Uh, basically um like a, a banshee like she could pronounce um like whenever there would death was either was imminent she would like have her like death scream um and they weren't never really clear like if she was causing it by screaming or the death was making her scream they weren't really sure um mm-hmm. she sacrificed herself uh in the the last arc so uh one thing I really, I mean, the, the book is just, it's really, it's really beautiful. Um, the, the art in a, in a very creepy way. Um, like they, it seemed kind of like, like pastels. Yes. It's all, it's like a dream. Like it's not sharp lines and well-defined images. It's all... I mean, honestly, this should be a vertical book. Uh, yeah, I agree. Probably. Um, for a DC one... comic, it wasn't half bad. <laughs> well, high praise indeed from. I know you're not a huge DC fan, but yeah, this is probably one of my favorite DC books. I can feel the hate in you. Which, of it, course, means No, it's that... actually, I actually was interested in what was going on, because, like I said, yeah, it totally felt more like a Vertigo book. Yeah. So, of course, because I like it, and it's it's high quality, um, and doesn't quite fit in the DC universe, um, it is uh, nearing the end of its run. So, we're, we're getting <laughs> towards the end of it, but... Because I love it, it's almost over. Yeah, because because it's a uh, with a mainstream co- uh, company, and the story is, you know, not a guy in tights punching somebody. Uh, it will not. It's it's not destined for long. But um, I think it is definitely worth um, writing this out and seeing how it ends. And if you if you liked it and you haven't read the previous arc um, and the beginning of this one, it's it's well worth it. Um, I was I was hoping to be able to talk to Christina about it a little bit because when this first started, uh, we both kept mentioning how basically uh, Gotham by Midnight uh, had taken was able to like take your nightmares and put them on the page. Like there was one with like a, like a nun with like bleeding eyes, like uh, with like a room full of children and just that's a different nun than this nun, right? A uh, different nun, yes. Okay. Um, so, so a question. Yes. Um, and. Just because you know the new Fifty Two better than I do, has Solomon Grundy shown up? Uh, the only, I'm not sure. I know in um, Earth Two, um, Solomon Grundy was a big part of Earth Two. I mm-hmm. don't know. I don't think he's shown up in a Bat book that I can think of. Uh, okay, because the thing in the swamp and the way that you describe its origin, that's Solomon Grundy. Maybe they might. That might be them bringing in Grundy. I, I don't know. Solomon Grundy was a man that was basically sacrificed and killed in the swamp, but the spirits of uh, betrayed Indians brought him back into Solomon Grundy as a kind of a spirit of vengeance, and he's made out of plant matter. He's kind of like a proto swamp thing. So that might be where they're coming from because you have these like uh, these black flowers um, that are have been throughout the whole series been very kind of mysterious. Like what what their purpose is? Um, are they? you know, malevolent? Are they beneficial? Uh, they really don't know yet. Uh, are they orchids? Uh, they look like black orchids. Yeah. Yeah. There's a character called black orchid. Well, and they also have in the regular Batman series, they have a character named Mr. Bloom right now. Purple. Um, who does stuff with flowers too. So I don't know. Yeah. These are all kind of noir DC characters. Yes. So maybe they're trying to tie all that together. Like the nun could end up being the black orchid. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I want to see where this mystery goes. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I've been following it for the, 
the 10 issues and you know just when i think i've got it figured out uh, like all good you know mystery stories uh they switch it up a little bit and you learn something have new. they announced it's being canceled or are you just they, being no they have announced it god damn it <laughs> like i said man you find something you love and it's guaranteed that they're going to cancel it so, in about 12 issues you know the annoying thing is this year we had to deal with that what was it convergence yes did you read multiversity at all i did not but i hear good things it's what Convergence was supposed to be. They have a hardcover. Um, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm reading through it. I'm only in like the second part of it. <sighs> God damn well, it. it's Grant Morrison, right? Yes. Yeah. Of course. So if you want a weird uh, universe, multiverse expanding story. Um, well, it's got Captain Carrot, so yeah. Yeah, he's, he's your guy. Um, so, no, I, ha- I haven't read it yet, um, but I saw the ad for the hardcover in the back. Uh, it's on my Amazon uh, wish list. Um, int, int. Yeah. So if anybody did want to order Multiversity, uh, where where could they go, Matt, to do that? They could go to Amazon.com. Well, they could do that, or they could go to FourColorNerds.com. Well, yes, yeah, go to FourColorNerds.com. Click on the link. Click on the link on the left. <laughs> and then we get some money from it. Then we get, some, we get to wet our beaks a little bit. Still go to Amazon. Yeah, it's uh, just uh, through us. Straight to Amazon. Uh, you don't pay and any, the money. You don't pay anything more. Uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, Multiversity uh, looks good. I want to read it. I haven't. I haven't yet. But it, it's so my my interest was was definitely spiked for it. Yeah, take somebody who actually understands what DC Comics actually is, <laughs> and has them write it instead of whoever wrote Convergence. Yeah, Convergence was pretty god awful. Oh my god. And I didn't like Secret Wars, but I would rather read Secret Wars for the rest of my life than read Convergence. I liked Secret Wars. I just it went on a long time. Um, still going on. It went on too damn long. And they can't get their and timing. It was too damn pointless. I I enjoyed Secret Wars. I did not enjoy Convergence at all. So mm, we can agree on the last part. <laughs> but again, with the uh, supernatural detective stories. Uh, Carissa, you got a, you have one too, right? Yes. And speaking of Vertigo Comics, we have Art Ops number one, written by Sean Simon and art by Michael Alfred. Um, so oh, yeah, I was, I didn't really know anything about this. I was kind of intrigued, but it starts off, you know, some people cruising around the Louvre look like they're going to do a heist, and then all of a sudden, the point that drew my interest was all of a sudden they're pulling people out of famous paintings and sticking other people in their places. And I'm like, what? So, yeah, they steal the Mona Lisa, actual Mona Lisa, and they stick some chick that they were doing her makeup up in her place. And that's how it starts. And then it jumps to to, a few years later, you see this kid and this punk chick in this house, and one of them gets killed by graffiti. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of starts spiraling like that. You see they're connected to the people who are doing the heist. And he gets, like, his... This weird art arm, which, by the way, that has to be my least favorite part of the book, was the art arm. It I just agree. looks kind of silly the way it's drawn. I think they could have done it a lot better. It just, I don't know, it, that part really bugged me. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, like, ha- all the people from the art ops disappear. And then I guess there's one left who's, like, overseeing the, where Mona Lisa is and basically in witness protection program. And he goes and finds the son of the head of the art ops who has that weird art arm. And that's where it leaves us off, basically. Um, I'm intrigued by the concept of the people in and out of the paintings. I want to know more about that. Not necessarily about the other plot of people missing. (laughs) I had almost the exact same thought. I was like, this is such a cool idea, you know, taking people, uh, you know, out of paintings and putting people into paintings. Kind of reminded me of, like, Harry Potter's, like, living pictures kind of yeah. uh, idea. And then this worthless idiot with his art arm, which is terrible looking. Like, that I have no interest in. Um, yeah. So I, I, I felt very conflicted about this one. Like, I liked, I think, the idea better than the execution. Yeah, I guess I, I want to know more about the process from the beginning more than I do about this plot of this guy and that other guy. <laughs> like the, the, what was his name? Like, oh, the guy. That, the, the dude in black? Yeah. 
I like, I'm I'm not really interested in what's going on there. I want to know more about their process and why they're doing it. Yeah. And I also like if you're going to do a book about uh, famous artwork, I, I don't think that the I mean, I don't really like to talk too bad about artists that I don't really know anything about, but I was not overly a fan of the the art here. Um, the body. What's that? That's his name. His name is The Body. You don't like Mike Allred? I just – this felt so – the artwork felt so dated to me. Oh, Allred. Sorry. I called Allred. Oh, that was what I liked about the book. I love Mike Allred's work. It's simple and clean and a little bit cartoony but not – he did Mad Men. He did uh, – Mad Man. Uh, he did a, a run on Fantastic Four when the the Fantastic Four disappeared to try to save their lives in the stupidest storyline ever. I like some of the <laughs> panels. Like I really like how the punk chick was drawn, and some and, and like the girl who was the Mona Lisa. I I really just don't like the painting and his arm, like how that's done. It looks it looks more weird, like weird tentacles. It, no, that reminds me of the scene in Princess Mononoke when those red tendrils at the beginning are wrapping around their face. It looks like that, but in bright neon gem colors. <laughs> and I just, I don't know, like, like, looks like weird little neon worms. And I just, I can't get behind it. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I think it's supposed to look like when you're painting and you, you know, you put the paint on the palette. Um, I think that's what those lines are supposed to look like. But I don't know. It yeah, they're just the groups of paint. Yeah, it was just, it was not good design, I think, is what my problem was with it. Each yeah, well, I mean, we both had the same thought on the art that it seems uh, dated, which I didn't like and you did like. So I think here we might be getting into an issue of uh, of taste rather than quality, maybe. So if you like the, you know, 90s uh, style. Indie scene. Yeah, you might you might like this if the idea is strong, though. I would probably give um, another issue a read just to see where it goes, you know. But I don't know if it would ever catch my hold that long. Well, when I first read the the synopsis for this, I'm like, I want to see famous paintings interacting with each other, you know. Like that was when I read it, I was like, oh, that would be really cool. And so far, we're not seeing that, but maybe we will. So see, I didn't have a chance to prepare, so I had absolutely no idea what this book was about. And then they're stealing the Mona Lisa, and I'm like, okay, well, that's Wizards of Waverly Place. <laughs> um, I, I didn't like that part. I mean, that seems kind of like a used and trite idea that the the art is alive and all that. I'm more interested in the mystery of everybody disappearing. That's that's interesting because which is still trite. Opposite of what Carissa and I liked about that. You know, it's still a trite thing, but uh, I like secret organizations that are behind the scenes and do stuff. Um, and the whole old oh, art is alive and it's in the painting and you just got to pull it out. I'm like, show. how long is that one chick who substitute is hanging out in the painting? Like, what does she do? What does she see while she's in there? What does she eat? You know, like, I want to know how their experiences, you know, cause then also the original Mona Lisa is like, Oh yeah, I've been out before. It's like, well, how does it feel when you're sitting in there? Right. Yeah. Well, it seems like we have a, a pretty wide range of opinions on this one, but uh, if the listeners have opinions on this, they can always email us at uh, fourcolornerds at gmail.com and let us know what you think about this. Or leave, uh, comments, or leave comments on the site. Or leave comments on the website or, or on, on our, our Facebook, Facebook page. page. This is true. Yeah. Or Twitter. <laughs> this is true. Or the Twitters, yes. Um, We're at fourcolornerds. Yes. And then... Uh, Matt, you had a... Or leave comments on iTunes. That's true. You can write reviews. Yeah. You can... Uh... Please. Please write reviews. <laughs> you can uh, rate the show. You, you can use all the stars. It's okay. We won't mind. We know who you are. <laughs> we know you're out there. <laughs> uh, you had a Hellboy book. Uh... Big surprise. Yes, I had Hellboy and the BPRD 1953, The Phantom Hand and the Kelpie. Um, I'm thinking, sadly, this is a one-off, uh, but it is so just classic Hellboy. Yes, I love this book. It, it, it harkened back to all the, uh, the old. They're only like 15, 20 years old. But just the, the standard Hellboy. We don't have to worry about the end of the world or anything else like that. Uh, it's Hellboy, young. Um, I don't want to say young because, I mean, he is young. But, um, you know, Hellboy, right after he came through, uh, he's only been here, I think, probably eight years by this point. Uh, maybe ten years. Um, but Hellboy... He, 
basically he aged really fast and then he just stayed the same age for forever. Um, but this is the story of he and, and father, which is Trevor Broom, um, spelled Brutenholm. Um, and they're basically investigating this kind of phantom hand, um, yeah. which is where the name the phantom hand comes from. Uh, but it turns out to be, uh, uh, you know, evil a cover for a. It's an evil. It seems like a demon. Well, no, um, remind me of from Adam's family. The hand. Oh, thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, it was. It was kind of an uh, a evil thing. I mean, phantom hands aren't really kind of unknown in like hauntings and whatnot. Dismembered body parts. I mean, that's where they get thing from. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part was kind of cool, but, you know, then he throws it into the fire and it turns into the demon and then there's the action of the story. Um, and then you find out, uh, you know, there was a, a series of children that were all killed uh, and that's, it's supposedly the hand of the person that killed them, I think. Remember right? Yeah, but I think that person was possessed by the demon and then when they, if I was, if I was getting everything from the story, then when they, the person, you know, tracked him down in his, his you know, layer yeah. of murder uh, and cut off his hand that that demon was Turn like it. fused to, yes. Yes. To it, it, and it got stuck in his hand basically and they got rid of the rest of him. Um, but then they found the kind of the graveyard and, and then there's, you know, a little bit of backstory on the backstory of his world. So it's not just kind of like a, just an action story, but there's also a little bit of flavor there from the BPRD world. Um, and that was really nice to see. Yeah. Cause you get two, good stories in this book you get uh you get the phantom hand then you also get the story of the kelpie yep uh Uh, and the the kelpie is this kind of horse spirit it pulls you into the water and drowns you it's a a water horse basically um and a kelpie is a real like creature out of uh scots irish folklore yeah so it it, and that actually is what it looks like and what it does so it was really cool well i mean that's what i like about the hellboy books is tying that world of folklore and and like the occult and all that are kind of all together into one cohesive story yeah i really what you were saying about this being you know kind of a callback to the classic um without all of the like continuity really that's what i really enjoyed about this um that we had a, a really good hellboy two good hellboy stories um that felt you know totally complete but i didn't have to worry about um, a lot of back continuity. Like if I want, I, I could just hand this to someone um, and they could read it, understand exactly what happens um, and, and enjoy it. So I really liked that. Um, kind of reminded me when I was reading it, I was thinking about um, like how like Conan stories work that, you know, there's a moment in time, they're not necessarily in order um, and they all kind of stand alone. But when you look at the overall picture, you get a more, more complete story. So that, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a really good one and done. Yes, which is it's nice, you know, to get those every once in a while. I mean, sometimes you want longer, it gets more exhausting complex to stories. be in these long storylines, especially if you want to just come in and pick one up, and mm-hmm. you can feel lost a lot of the time. But with this one, if you're missing, uh, you know, your Hellboy or BPRD, but maybe haven't been keeping up with it, and you want uh, just to get that uh, that story, this would be a really good one to pick up. I think. It's a really good Hellboy fix. Agree. Um, did we? Oh, so then uh, again with more detective stories, um, I chose dark noir. Yes, more dark, moody, uh, noir type uh, detective stories. I chose uh, the Black Hood number six. Um, now this is part of Archie's Dark Circle imprint. Yes, which has been putting it. So it's Dark Circle is a. It's it reminds me of their version, basically of Vertigo, is what it seems like to me. Um, you've got, uh, the Black Hood, um, there's the Shield, um, which I think came out last week, and then I think next week is the Hangman. Um, I don't... Well, the Hangman, I think, is already out. I put it on my pull list, but it's, like, issue two. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, the publishing schedule for these ones gets kind of, you know, it's not a a very strict, (laughs) strictly kept, uh, story, but... Uh, basically, uh, Dark Circle um, is Archie's more mature uh, imprint, um, and the Black Hood is basically the story of this this cop who uh, stopped this uh, oh, no, I'm wrong. this crime, um, 
and got shot in the face with a shotgun, which is why he kind of looks like Two-Face, basically, um, and became uh, addicted to painkillers. Um, That's what happened. Yeah. So he has the last arc. I mean, this this story really is about addiction. Um, in the last arc, he basically declared like war on all these like drug dealers um, and would go and... Uh, fight them, beat them up, and take all their drugs. Um, so it's like his, like, the good that he was doing was really uh, a byproduct of him getting prescription painkillers. Um, that the best place to get them was from dealers. So that's who he went after. Um, and he, uh, when he first got shot, like, he couldn't speak. Um, so he had a speech therapist. That's who he's writing to in this, uh, you know, like in the the story uh of the black hood, uh, in number six, he's writing letters, uh, from his rehab center in California back to, uh, Philly. He's mm-hmm. writing to his speech therapist who was kind of like his, maybe like Lois Lane or like the person who basically believed in him and sort of saved him and pulled him out of the, the depression. Um, and they don't have it so much in this story, but in the last one, um, that's where he like worked on his like Batman voice. Um, with his uh, speech therapist is he had like certain lines that he would practice. And whenever he says them in that voice, like the font changes and like the word balloons, like look all kind of like icy or like, like dripping with like black ink when he, when he speaks that way, which is just picture him going, okay, now we're going to do what I want to do. Yeah. Pray to me. Yeah. He's got his whole, you know, Christian Bale uh, voice that he's, he's worked on, but this story. So he's kind of realized uh, that he became, you came right to the the knife's edge of being a, a, a very bad person. Um, straightened up, he's uh, he's in California in rehab, um, and in his rehab center, he meets um, you know all these people who have also ended up there for doing you know bad things. And being a cop, he can't really stop um, analyzing them and trying to figure out why they're there and what kind of people they are. Um, and he, one of the women in his uh, group uh, tells him that she used to be involved with, like, the cartel, and they're worried that when she sobers up, she's going to start talking, and she's afraid that someone in the group has been sent to kill her. Um, and she, you know, sees in his eyes that he's a good person, so she trusts him. Um, and he, you know, does some investigation to try and figure out uh, who has who in that group has connections to the the cartel, and he figures out the other person who has connections to the cartel, um, and he goes there to uh, basically, you know, intimidate them and you know, tell them that they're you know that that lady is protected and that uh, they shouldn't uh, you know carry out the hit on him. Fight breaks out and he he kills the person, um, right. and then he meets the lady on the the beach. Um, and he realizes that, uh, well, and when he's attacking the person that he thinks is the hitman, he keeps saying things like, you know, I knew they were going to come for me. I've been waiting for you. Um, and you realize, um, that the person that he went to go kill was the actual target of the hit. And that the woman is the person who's there to make sure he's dead. Um, and then what I thought was a really kind of a, a neat little reversal that she tells him that, uh, she knew that he would he would kill this person um, because she has the same kind of eyes that that she does that she's he's not a good person that she can see that uh, in his eyes which is especially for this uh, this character you know who's been trying to hear you know taking that rough road of trying to kick the drugs and being a better person and doing what he thinks is the right thing to find out that he's still you know living in this this world where all of his choices end up uh, being being bad um i just i really like this one and you get some uh, if you like howard Ch- if you like chicken uh you're gonna get some chicken art here which you know, yeah this is some classic good chicken. yes if you like if you like that um you are going to get this if you don't like that well you're still gonna get it but the story's pretty good so <laughs> i did not like well you you don't really have a choice work. but well there you didn't like chicken i wasn't i there's my i think it's what it turned me off i just just it just kind of bugged me that's when I was never American flag or black kiss um, or black kiss too. Yeah. So, I mean, Chaken, I mean, his art style, it's a, it's a style. You either like it or you don't like it. Um, 
I happen to, I appreciate it. I don't get it very often, uh, but when I do, um, it's kind of like when you see like maybe like a like a Darwin Cook story or something like that. Yeah, um, it's a classic kind of 50s-ish comic yeah, book look. Yes. Yeah, all of his stories. I mean, this one doesn't take place in the 50s, but the, it, it just looks all like it feels like it's from Mulholland Drive or something. Yes. So, I mean, uh, Black Kiss, I, I really enjoyed it as a detective story. Um, I, and I really think that uh, that Dark Circle imprint is some uh, a line of comics to keep an eye on. That So far, we didn't review uh, The Shield last week, um, but it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, so I, I think that this is going to be a, a really strong um, imprint and company to keep an eye on and at least check out what they what they put out it's been yeah pretty consistently high quality now the archie heroes are actually kind of old old properties i mean they're from the old days of archie they've just never really been able to successfully get off the ground i'm really hoping that they can um I'm, i actually did a, a little bit of a search earlier and they apparently these are the black circle comics there was a red circle comics archie tried and then dc has tried to publish these guys a few times Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Archie did it in the 90s. Yeah. So I really hope they go going. Um, they've just got to actually be unique characters. They're kind of all pastiche. Yeah, but I think they're updating them for, like the... yeah, like this character is nothing like the the Black Hood from the other comics. Yeah. Like he's a superhero in other comics, and not just some guy who not vigilante puts black clothing and throws a hood on his head. Yeah. No, he doesn't have any any superpowers. I mean, he uses the hood. I mean, when he puts the hood on, he basically becomes sort of free from the like the moral consequences. Like, it's kind of that idea of like the Invisible Man, right? When he has the hood on, no one can see him, and he can't see himself, so he can do what needs to be done. Right. Um, He's kind of like a classic '30s mystery man, kind of what they were going for in Watchmen with the original. Uh, what did they call them? Minutemen. Yes. Um, where they started out as they were all police officers who were just sick of not being able to get anything actually done. So they put the costumes on and they started because the bad guys, the, the criminals were doing costumes. Um, and then they just started fighting them. And that, it's kind of what he seems like is he, he puts this on so that he can kind of become something else and then he doesn't have to worry about anything else. Well, and the original, so this black hood is not the original black hood in this, uh, this, this continuity. World? There was, that first fight that he broke up was between like three or four drug dealers and the black hood and the black hood got shot. And he, he also got shot in the fight, but he took the black hoods mask. And then when he reemerged, it was like, he had then become, become something larger because, you know, people had seen him get shot in the criminal underworld and then he was back. So it's like kind of that uh, idea of almost like a, like a Batman being like a, a larger He's an immortal. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Dark Circle is, is is definitely something to to keep an eye out. If you want like actual superpowers, um, the Shield um, is has actual powers. Um, haven't read the Hangman yet, um, but that looks. The hang, actually, I look. The Hangman starts next week. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm wondering if they're going to do the other stuff like the Fly and and all that. Well, they also there's one who's like a kind of Johnny Storm character. They also did one called, I want to say, maybe The Fox or something like that, but I didn't like it that much. Um, so, yeah. But, um, oh, no, good book. Yeah. And then uh, we also had uh, Angela, Queen of Hell, number one. Uh, Queen of Hell. From Marvel Comics, uh, written by Marguerite Bennett, uh, art by Kim Yacinto, uh and Stephanie Hans. Um so this is pretty much, especially the the Stephanie Hans like the flashback scenes. If you liked um, the sixteen was it sixteen oh two Angela the Witch Hunter book uh, that was part mm-hmm. of the Secret Wars, um, this is basically the same creative team. So if you liked that and you thought it was you know just gorgeous, uh, amazing <laughs> artwork, this is you're going to get the same thing here. Um, half of the book seemed like that. And then the other half of the book seemed like a crappy image book. Well, so that's the Stephanie Hans is the flashback art, the art that looks like the Witch Hunter book. And the uh, Kim Yacinto uh, stuff is the what you call like image art. Um, So, I mean, the the story here is kind of how Angela uh, became the queen of of hell. And in this this hell is the 
the Norse uh, mythology hell, H-E-L, not, not the two L's. Um, only one hockey stick. Yeah, only one hockey sticks, not not the double hockey sticks. Um, and in, This hell is the person. Yeah, so, and there's... Loki's daughter. I am not super familiar with uh, Angela from when she was in Spawn and all of that. So all this stuff with their version of heaven and hell, I'm still, I'm still catching up on that, but even we're heaven, heaven and yeah, hell. Yeah. That I'm not totally up on, but regardless of that, this book is just, it's gorgeous. Um, the story, I mean, I can basically follow the story enough without knowing all of that, uh, that backstory. Um, I don't honestly think anybody needs to know anything about that. Cause they keep trying to weave it a little bit into this whole, like, the marvelness. Yes. It kept, um, it kept jumping to me, this, this story. Like, I was like, did I skip a page? I kept, like, going back, making sure, because it'd be like, you think something's about to happen, then it'd go to something else. I'm like, it felt very disjointed. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to follow it. Felt even more distracting with the different art. I, yeah. I thought that was, like, the with, like, what Tarantino does in his films is what they're trying to do with, with time, is you'll have, you know, the story going forward, then flashing back to a relevant scene, then cutting away to you know current uh current time but this book has like a couple moments of like really strong like emotional payoff where you know angela goes and uh reunites with her handmaiden or servant um like that's that's good stuff uh there's a a full color like a full page uh of them uh that is really I, I thought pretty good looking. Um, and that one is by, is not by Stephanie Hans. That one I th- I'm pretty sure um, is by the other artist. And then you've got uh, another punch at the end where you kind of get revealed the true nature of what's, uh, what's going on. And uh, I, I really enjoyed this, even without having the background from it. Um, I'm, I'm interested in this story and this world and I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to keep reading it. It is, one of the best looking books there. Even without having any idea what is going on. You, you, it could be silent yeah. and I would, and the story is still good, but I mean, the art is what, but I, I think that that Stephanie Hans artwork is the, the gem of this book. You know? Yeah. And I'm not saying the other, art was bad. It's just not my style. Yeah. And especially it's maybe because I'm coming from the witch hunter, having read that series and just love mm-hmm. that art so much that when I see something that's not that, even if it's very good, it's still, you know, I ordered... Well, this isn't what this is supposed to look I like. I ordered steak, and I got, like, a really good, like, you know, grilled chicken breast. Like, it's not bad, but <laughs> it's not what but, I... No, seriously, I want some red meat. Yes. I don't want it right now. So, I mean, I, I thought that the book was, was just flat-out gorgeous. And that, normally, I want art and story together. And I don't want to knock the writer on this, because the story is good. But the art is just makes it... Totally worth it for me. I didn't think it was odd that beginning. It's like, like this is not her story. It's my story. I'm like, then why is the book called Angela? <laughs> but then I kept reading. But that was like my first thing, the first panel. I'm like, if it's not her story. <laughs> but right. anyway, well, there's a lot of Angela in there. So it's misleading. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was It was good. I, yeah. I definitely will keep reading it. It's one of my, since they did, you know, the relaunch since, uh, you know, the new, not new 52. <laughs> that's, that's not, it's all new, all different, all new, all different. Um, this is one of my favorites, um, so far. And then moving we on. We, yeah. We can't, we can't have a podcast without talking about star Wars. So. Yeah. So <sighs> I chose, Oh, I felt so bad. What? I didn't pick star Wars this week. Oh, and then next week I had the option to pick star Wars and I didn't. So I'm going to need somebody to pick up the slack. Uh, there. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure so my pick though, for this time was star Wars. Kanan, the last Padawan number seven, written by Greg Wiseman and art by Pepe Larraz, I believe. Is how it says. Okay. So Kanan, Kanan is from star Wars rebels, the new cartoon series. I love Kanan. I call him Space Fallons. It's an inside joke with my family. I, it's too hard to explain, but that's what he looks like. He's voiced in the cartoon by Freddie Prince Jr., which I was shocked to find that out. But because I love the character of Kanan in the series, don't, I actually wanted to give the comic a try. Don't let Ultimate Hulk find that out. Not a fan of Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> so Kanan in the series, in the cartoon series, you know, he is a Jedi and you pretty much is, is hinted at one of the very last one few. And so you don't know a lot about his background, but they hint at it here and there. So this is the comic is going back and telling you more about him. And this issue is actually really good because it shows him and how him and he got his uh, Jedi master to train under. So you get a little bit. It was a little odd because you get a little bit of the Rebels characters at the beginning, which, by the way, I love how they're how like Ezra and Hera and Zeb were drawn in the first few panels that were like in from Rebels because that's one thing I really don't like about Rebels that much is that I think Ezra looks like Aladdin. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's it, a little intentional. That, what? I, I mean, it might be a little intentional, intentional, but it's very rounded Disney esque, and I don't. That was one thing that kind of turned me off in the series when I first started watching it. I mean, I watch it now a lot. It helps that my son likes it. But I really liked how they were drawn at the beginning of for those characters. Um, actually, I, I might go back. I actually haven't read the first few before this. I actually might go back and reread them now because it actually is a little interesting. Um, again, it's just that Star Wars world. It, it gives you a little hint and helps you understand the characters a little bit more. It gets to show you another part of the movies that you didn't necessarily see inside the temple and that build up to the order 66 and what happens, um, at least in this particular issue, like you get that nice flashback. And so it shows things in the works. Um, what do you guys think? I know it's not our typical star Wars picks, but I liked the stuff in the Jedi temple. Um, and the sort of the, the promise of maybe being able to see order 66 actually happening um that that intrigues me um, they because they hinted it in the series that he was there when order 66 went to went down so i'm hoping that they actually do get around to showing it in the comic you book. should go back and read the first six books oh, did you go back and read the first six books i went back and read the first six books and you. yes you get to see order 66 see, okay well, so like then that. i will go back and read and, and and the fact that you're tantalized by this makes me worry about your attachment to the dark side, both of you. Well, the dark side. Well, no, I like Kanan. I think he's an interesting mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. I have all the you rebels get to learn his real name. Uh, you do learn his real name, which I thought was interesting. Like, oh, he changed it. <laughs> well, I guess if you're on the run... I don't necessarily like his real name. What? I, hear I guess if you're on the run from, you know, Everything. the yeah. space Gestapo, that you probably want to change your name. You're looking for the Jedi? And it's nice that you get to see his uh, his Jedi master who trained him because when you see him at her in the series, she's just like this mummified corpse. Oh, really? In the series series. Is that needed? What? I haven't gotten up to Rebels yet. I'm making my way through Clone Wars, oh. and, and then I'm going to hey, watch episode we three. we told you and there would be spoilers. Rebels. Spoilers, yeah. You should have listened to I'm your cool. own words. You warned us. You I'm not warned us there would be about spoilers. spoilers. I like spoilers. Like, somebody could tell me the entire story of Episode 7. I'm still going to go watch it. No, Rebels has grown on me. Like, the first few episodes I didn't really care for, but it really grew on me. No, the, the ooh was just ooh. You know, I didn't pick up I'm on afraid. the uh, Aladdin thing, because I, I, I watched basically the first maybe two episodes. Of, you didn't catch that? Well, because I didn't like it, so I didn't care that much. But now that you, you like mention it, nah, was, I, don't know, I didn't care for it. Again, Dark Side, strong with you. Hey, you know, the, the first... <laughs> The Forces are interesting characters, including the dark side. And now Sarah Michelle Gellar voices the um, the new Inquisitor. <laughs> That's funny. So it's both of are they going to get other people from the Scooby Doo movie? Yeah, I know who else. <laughs> but it's funny that they were they're both voicing characters in Rebels. Yeah. I have a giant um, Kanan action figure that my husband got me. Star Wars talking about Star Wars. I mean, don't get me wrong, Kanan won't build up beat out Han or anything, but Kanan's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, like, I would have probably never pulled this on my own, but now that I've read an issue of it, I'm very tempted to go back, especially because now I know that the the intrigue of the story to me has already occurred, but I definitely want to go back and pick that up. <laughs> okay, now that I don't have to wonder, I will go back and read them. Well, yeah, I, I want to... Just so I could see... I actually see meant to pick it up a lot earlier. I just forgot, so I am going to go back and read it. Well, and I also... The the thing with the uh, the Jedi Master that he becomes attached with, like, I thought that was an interesting character, having a Jedi kind of... Not exactly, like, down on their luck, but, you know, bad things have happened to them, and they're not really trusted. Um, but the whole so, thing where he's like, 
do I know her? That seemed very interesting to me, Mike. Are they going to explain that more? Because that seemed cool. Well, I also liked the part in the book where he was like, why are we doing this? Like, I am not questioning, you know, whether we should or not. I just I want to know why we're actually doing this. Like, did someone just do this, you know, thousands of years ago and now we're just we keep doing it? Like, I thought that was interesting to see, like, a line of questioning that, you know, you don't normally see in the, the Star Wars universe. Well, when you watch the Rebel series, though, and he's dealing when he's trying to train and he's clearly an undisciplined Jedi himself. It's very right. interesting dynamic when you see it played out in the series with him with the Ezra. It it's one reason why I like that character because he's not perfect. He's you know he's a very flawed Jedi trying now to be you know a good example as a Jedi because there aren't many options left basically. Right. So I I really like that about that character. And he's kind of like barely a Padawan uh, at the start of this series. So uh, like he's with. Um, his master, but he's he's not like an Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, that's the so Twi'lek. she's like yeah. the what? That's the Twilight chick, right? Who was Darth? Vader. Yeah, that's the yeah. Twilight from from Clone Wars. Yeah, and and then later later Rebels. Um, but she, I mean, she's seen some shit. She's not but... a Twi'lek. She's something else, isn't she? No, she's oh no, she's not a Twi'lek. She's um, the other what is chick. Yeah, I forget that race's name. I feel really bad now. Well, I I see people. Well, they're barely ever seen races. in this. Yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> She's Tagruta. He's yes. Google that. They show other of her race in the show like once. They're in um no in in uh, episode two when they're fighting down in the pits that you see another female Jedi unless that's her which I don't think. No, like, there's cool. a whole storyline. Yeah. Like there's a colony of her people mm-hmm. on this one planet. And they're trying to basically – they basically steal them and sell them into slavery. Oh. Or they try to anyways. Uh, and then she's like, well, we can't let that happen. And and then Luke – or not Luke. Eh. Anakin. <laughs> Anakin has to face his whole issues with slavery and all that. Yeah. And and then uh, Sidious is like, we will build the empire on the backs of slaves. We'll move on to Wookiees next. Okay. <laughs> Did we actually talk about Chewbacca number one or two? Does two come out yet? No. No. No, well, no two didn't come it. out. It yeah. came out this week. It just didn't get picked. But no one picked it. Yeah. I just came because it seemed I wanted to check it out, basically. I was curious. Yeah, I um I I don't watch uh the Star Wars Rebels, so I would have had very little interest in this book, but having read it, I think it stands apart from from that series, like I, because I don't watch the the series, and I felt there was nothing in this that I needed explained to me. Everything was self contained, so I probably will will keep reading it. Yeah, I, I probably will too. I just I'm and I'm going to watch Rebels. I just haven't gotten there yet. I like that. This I like it's like a reoccurring thing. We sometimes will pick up things that we know normally would have read ourselves, and now we're like, hey, I'll keep checking that out. Well, that's the the good thing with four people with fairly diverse. Uh, Tastes is that we get exposed and our readers or not readers listeners also get to see like a wide variety of stuff you know and this book's actually right up my alley because star wars oh well, yeah that's a gift says it right on the front <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you had me at star wars yeah. pretty much pretty much yeah so any other thoughts on this week's comics i finished uh, zombie season one I that's the thing I, you could do. Well, I really so it has nothing to do basically with the Vertigo series, but it is a damn fine TV series, especially if you like uh, Veronica. So it's like every other zombie thing. No, it's so, here's my theory. No, so, no, the TV show that, Forever I mean Night doesn't have anything to do with it, except for that they use comic book panels and the opener and in the um uh, the bumpers. That's true. Yeah. It's like actual panels from the book, no, or they, they're they trying to lay it out like Ang Lee did with Hulk. They yeah. like have like a stylized panel, yeah. and then it'll fade into the like live action scene. Oh god, what's that like? But it reminds it's like a show from the eighties. It reminds sure. me a lot of Veronica Mars. I mean, it's by the same person. You know, it's made by the person. No, it's also very. For, it's basically the Forever Night plot almost, but made with zombies. It's a, it's a Zombica Mars mixed with I, Forever Night TV show. I didn't watch Forever Night. That's not so a great thing. Can't say. I mean, I watched Forever Night 
Well, but, so the point is that but Forever Night, the was trying to find a cure for him, and he solved crimes with his supernaturalness. Now, instead of him being a vampire, man, so he get a hot zombie girl, and he's got kind of the same thing going on. Yeah. Isn't so? Isn't the whole thing is basically a police procedural, but uh, the mystery of the week is basically the brain that she ate. Yes. Yep. All right. Yep. And then trying so, to figure out the the origin of the zombiness. So she's uh, basically a right. a zombie faking being a psychic, so she can give her clues from the brains to the police, and it's a good show. So it's psyched meets Veronica Mars mixed with Forever Night meets Forever Night at a zombie. And a police procedural. Mm-hmm. And it is. Okay. It's good. It's good. It Check works. It, it works. Watch the first uh, episode, man. It's on uh, It's on iTunes. That's I'm not, not iTunes. I'm sorry. Netflix. It's on Netflix. And Comcast On Demand. That's zombies. Yeah. I don't like zombies. It's pretty good. Like at all. I, uh, I got, well, I got okay. two. That's not fair. There's a couple of zombie things that I like. I liked uh, Shaun of the Dead because it's not a zombie movie. It's. A slacker flick with zombies outside and uh, warm bodies. This has a warm Romeo and Juliet type with feel. Zombies. I can see that. Yeah. The what? It kind of has a warm bodies type feel. Hmm. Okay. But yeah. Is there like a zombie plague going on, or she just happens to be there's, the one random like, zombie? That's wow. one of the subplots. Besides the police procedural, there's a weird subplot with like this Mountain Dew like energy drink. That makes you into a zombie. Thing, and they think in drugs, and they think it's yeah, Stop making them. it. What? Well, that's the thing. the The drugs uh, get mixed with this like energy drink, and right, that's yeah, where stop making that drink. Yeah. Well, they're super rich and powerful. Um, so, uh, the, so there, there's kind pretty of pretty sure they could get shut down if they're making zombies. So, like Seattle has, um, you should watch the show, man. <laughs> <laughs> so Seattle has like a zombie problem, but like, so zombies. Assuming they can still they can be well fed, they basically retain their their thought processes and and so on. But as they cannot get food, they become more and more like animalistic. And they eat brains. Mm-hmm. They all eat brains. They have to. Yes. So as long as you keep feeding them living people, or dead, they get to stay. How about we just kill them? Uh, man, you gotta watch the series. I got talked into watching Agents of Shield. If I had to watch that. You can watch did you? this. I did. All of it? Uh, I skipped season one because I did not. I'm I... halfway through season one. I watched a couple more episodes this week, actually. Yeah, I decided uh, to skip season one and just start with season two, and I'm making my way through it. It's not horrible. Do you, like, instinctually hate S.H.I.E.L.D.? No, I just... I. But I instinctually hate zombies is the problem. Nah. <laughs> my problem... Because of the whole living dead thing. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was, I I didn't feel, the promise of the show was not delivered on. I did not see Marvel characters uh, doing cool shit yeah, on TV. Did. I saw made-up characters doing not-such-cool shit on TV. No, they just weren't in costumes. You had Graviton in, like, episode three. And Blizzard was in, like, episode six. Yeah. Creed was in, like, episode eight. If you give me D-listers, I'm going to give the show a D. Creed? So... I don't know. The Absorbing Man. Yeah, I get it. I just wasn't... He's an A-list Thor villain. I just was not super intrigued by season one. Season two, mm. working my way through, and it's not bad. From what I understand, it's becoming villain of the week and very comic-y this season. I don't know. But I know Believe I am uh, really uh, dying for uh, the uh, new Netflix uh, Marvel series coming out this month. I am not. Jessica Jones, right? I do not want Fifty Shades of Purple. But it has <laughs> David Tennant in it. Yeah. yeah, I don't want that to ruin David Tennant for me. Uh, I, I did, however, just see David Tennant on an episode of Clone Wars. Ah, uh, interesting. He does the voice for a droid. Yeah. So I, I guess uh, the next time you can tell us if you watched uh, iZombie or not. Uh, I will not have. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is your loss because it's a pretty good show. Although right. it has... Well, basically nothing to do like I, I watched it and I liked it so then I went to go read the Vertigo series and it is not even there's almost no relationship between the two so it's like World War Z yes one of my favorite books and uh, we would really like to make a show out of this yeah we like we your, we like make your it title not this. so if we could uh, just it's take a really that. cool title yeah. it's like Max 
and zombies. We think they're perfect together. Yeah. Uh, you're making fun of one of my favorite shows right now, man. And Max. It's good. I mean, really, the iMac? Or, like, you know, they did it to the Dresden Files TV show, too, so. Well, I, I think it's not supposed to be, like, the, like, iMac or iPad. I think it's supposed to be, like, maybe more like, yeah, like Claudius. Um, uh-huh. But, you know. All right. All right. So with that <laughs> with that said, uh, so those were the books we read this week, and uh, apparently the show everybody else is watching. <laughs> um, if you want to read our reviews, check out our weekly pull lists, of which I have posted mine, and our other nerd shenanigans, except for what Christina's doing. I have no idea what nerd shenanigans she's doing right now. Check out fourcolornerds.com, please. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes. On Stitcher. And on SoundCloud. And on Podcast Addict. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds.